Welcome to this Pure Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.purevoice.com forward slash XEK. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Sierra Oncology Incorporated. Welcome to this Pure Voice activity on myelofibrosis. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Serjan Verstovchik. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Serjan Verstovchik, Professor of Medicine in the Leukemia Department at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Welcome to this activity titled Addressing the Triple Challenge of Myelofibrosis, Symptoms, Splenomegaly, and Cytopenias. In the first presentation titled Optimal Management of Myelofibrosis, Addressing Symptoms, Splenomegaly, and Cytopenias, we will review the substantial impact of myelofibrosis as well as the benefits and limitations of current treatment options. We will look at the multidimensional impact of myelofibrosis, the need to manage symptoms, splenomegaly, and cytopenias, particularly anemia, how current treatment priorities see cytopenia as an anticipated downside, impact and burden of disease and treatment-related cytopenia, limitations of current therapeutic strategies, optimal management of patients with platelets below 100,000 in particular, as well as treatment-related anemia. Let's start briefly about uh, classification of myelofibrosis, where does it stand in the 2016 WHO classification. As we can see, it goes into the BCR-able negative MPNs, primary myelofibrosis, polycythemia vera, and ET, essential thrombocytemia, are the classic ones, and certainly myelofibrosis is the one of them with the worst outcome. And that is related to the biology of the disease. As we know, it is rather complex. We have uncontrolled myeloproliferation, neoangiogenesis in the bone marrow. We have myelofibrosis, a fibrosis develop over time and get worse, and osteosclerosis settles in as well. That leads to a specific clinical manifestations of this MPN versus others. We have splenomegaly, we have constitutional symptoms, bad quality of life, and we have cytopenias, particular anemia. These are the three main clinical manifestations that over time lead to complications. Portal hypertension, thromboembolism, and infections are examples of complications leading to untimely death. People with myelofibrosis die from myelofibrosis most of the time, after about five to seven years on average. Anemia in particular is the problem that we don't have a solution for, and it's multifactorial. There are many problems that lead to a low blood cell count. Sequestration of the blood cells in the big spleen, poor performance of the bone marrow because of inflammation, because of the fibrosis, because of chronic iron-related uh, uh, anemia as well. All of these together lead to a clinically relevant anemia in patients with myelofibrosis. At the time of diagnosis, about half of the patients with myelofibrosis are already anemic, as defined by hemoglobin less than 10, and almost a quarter required some transfusions of RBCs. As the time goes on, after one year after diagnosis, nearly half of the patients require transfusions, and eventually nearly all myelofibrosis require transfusions in a situation that remains unavoidable in advanced myelofibrosis. As I'm going to show in a minute, the transfusions and worsening of anemia is also a prognostic factor. For example, increased risk of leukemic transformation has been associated with the worsening anemia. 
Anemia can also be further exacerbated by current mouth fibrosis treatment options, namely JAK inhibitors, because the JAKSAT pathway is critical for erythropoiesis. Thus, it is unsurprising that nearly all mild fibrosis patients will develop anemia at some point during the disease course, due to therapy or due to disease evolution. Anemia is therefore a major obstacle in the management of mild fibrosis and represents a significant area of unmet need. As I mentioned before, prognostic impact of anemia is very well established. The worse the anemia, worse the transfusion requirement, the worse the overall outcome of the patients. Life may be short for patients that require transfusions. Now, thrombocytopenia is another cytopenia of significance that does develop, perhaps not as often, as anemia in patients with mild fibrosis, and it does come usually hand-to-hand -hand with anemia in the same patient. Patients that have a very low platelets versus uh, those that have a, a, a good platelets suffer much more. They have a worse outcome. They have a worse quality of life. They may have a many more transfusions required. So thrombocytopenia is, in addition to anemia, clinical significant problem. Transplant is the only curative treatment for mild fibrosis patients. However, patients are usually older, they have comorbidities, and unfortunately, less than 10% of patients go to the transplant. Therefore, the medical care with the medications is the standard practice for great, great majority of mild fibrosis patients. So what do we do in everyday practice at the moment? We have a ruxolitinib, which was approved some years ago based on the two studies, which are outlined here, COMFORT-1 and COMFORT-2. Uh, for its ability to control the spleen and symptoms. In COMFORT-1 study, the durability of the therapy is about three years. Now, this is not to undermine the benefit on the control of the symptoms, and the great majority of patients will have uh, control of the spleen and symptoms to some degree. So it's very valuable therapy. Anemia and thrombocytopenia are expected side effects of ruxolitinib due to inhibition of the JAK stat pathway. The anemia in about half of the patients happen at the beginning of the therapy. It then levels off, but it's not continuously controlled well, and it does interfere with the delivery of optimal dose of ruxolitinib. And thrombocytopenia has a role in the dose adjustments as well. So anemia and thrombocytopenia over time impact the ability to provide a valuable therapy for a long period of time, and eventually, unfortunately, lead to discontinuations. Now, Jakarta study led to approval of another JAK inhibitor some years ago, uh, fedratinib. This uh, was a randomized placebo-controlled study in therapy-naive patients that led again to a knowledge that this drug, as it is the case for ruxolitinib, can improve the spleen and the symptoms. Uh, the results uh, are shown here. They uh, would uh, uh, perhaps look alike to what I have shown for uh, ruxolitinib. In that setting, we are expecting good control of the spleen and symptoms within three to six months uh, for duration of the time. Uh, unfortunately, there are, again, some side effects. Uh, first of all, this drug does cause, unlike ruxolitinib, more of diarrhea, vomiting, and nausea. So some GI irritations is present, requiring, in most of the patients, some supportive care measurements to counteract those problems that are seen particularly at the beginning of therapy. When it comes to anemia and thrombocytopenia, the degree of uh, those two uh, side effects are about the same that you would expect with ruxolitinib. And finally, this drug does carry also black box warning for a distant possibility of what is clinically quite relevant, a Wernicke encephalopathy, a time deficiency that leads to central nervous neurological problem.
So in summary, in patients with fibrosis, anemia, and RBC transfusion dependence constitute key adverse prognostic factor that is universally associated with survival, as is described. Cytopenias, mainly anemia and thrombocytopenia, remain a significant challenge in the contemporary management of patients with fibrosis, especially in the setting of ruxolitinib and fedratinib, and uh, current therapies are, in that regard, suboptimal. A novel, of course, a safer therapies, improving anemia-specific outcomes in addition to splenomegaly and constitutional symptoms are desired and needed to improve the patient outcomes. Thank you very much. In the second presentation titled, Could Future Treatment Address All the Hallmarks of Myelofibrosis? We will review emerging therapies for the management of myelofibrosis and how they may influence the management of this disease in the near future. We will take a look at the how pathophysiology is driving therapeutic development in myelofibrosis, emerging clinical data for treatment and strategies for treating myelofibrosis in the, both JAK inhibitor naive and JAK inhibitor experienced patients, and how emerging treatments may impact the future treatment algorithm. We're going to talk about Simplify 1 study, which is a phase 3 randomized trial of momelotinib versus ruxolitinib in JAK inhibitor naive patients with myelofibrosis. So patients were randomized between the two drugs, and you see that uh, quality of a spleen response was about the same, quite notable control. There was improvement in the symptoms on the both drugs, somewhat better with ruxolitinib than momelotinib. But momelotinib still achieved about half of the symptoms gone in about 28% of the patients. Further benefits were seen with momelotinib over ruxolitinib in the anemia area. This is effect on transfusion requirement you see that uh, momelotinib is better than ruxolitinib for anemia benefits. Now, there was another study, Simplify 2 study, that was a phase 3 randomized study in people previously treated ruxolitinib experiencing uh, toxicity from it. Uh, that study randomized momelotinib versus best available therapy group. Uh, in that group, most of patients were still maintained on ruxolitinib. As you may see here, uh, there was uh, some improvement in the spleen with momelotinib, but particularly good response was on the improvement on the quality of life, which is the leading problem in patients with myelofibrosis. Quality of life improvement with momelotinib was notable in this setting. And as we move to myelofibrosis patients with uh, uh, toxicity to ruxolitinib, we will see much more anemia. And so in second-line setting, anemia is a major problem as I described uh, before. And in that setting, again, momelotinib versus best available therapy was better. On a different parameters, uh, as outlined here, we see better control of anemia problem or avoidance of transfusions with momelotinib over best available therapy. Now, when we talk about the uh, safety of momelotinib, uh, quite good results here. Uh, there is, as you would suspect, not much of a myelosuppression at all. Occasional thrombocytopenia with this drug, but certainly much less than with ruxolitinib. Anemia benefits uh, are seen, not the anemia as a toxicity. Some low-grade diarrhea or nausea, not requiring much of a, of a concern. These are low grades. So overall, very safe profile of um, momelotinib. And because of these benefits from the Simplify 1 and Simplify 2 study, there was another study done recently, which is called Momentum Study. This is the uh, 
study in patients that were previously treated with the JAK inhibitor, ruxolitinib, that were symptomatic and that were anemic. Uh, they had to fulfill rigorous criteria of having a total symptom score by the questionnaire of 10 or more, which is significant, and uh, having anemia with hemoglobin less than uh, 10, including uh, transfusions requirements in uh, some cases. Now, patients like that were then randomized between momelotinib and danazol. Danazol is standard practice drug, anabolic steroid, that is given to patients for uh, control of anemia and symptoms. And in this setting, as recently presented, there was a quite a significant difference in the first spleen response rate between the two drugs, a very notable control of the spleen uh, as judged by a 35% volumetric reduction, and a very notable improvement in the quality of life. Momelotinib was superior to danozole. And finally, the most exciting part of momelotinib is improvement in the anemia parameters. One of them is transfusion independence rate at week 24, that means after six months of therapy, and looking at the same time at the mean hemoglobin during those six months to see that we connect the clinical benefit of transfusion independence with a real improvement in the red blood cell count. As presented of this slide, this was seen, and I would say, in addition to controlling the spleen and symptoms, this particular value of improvement of anemia parameters is the highlight of omelotinib as a drug. Safety was similar to prior experience. Uh, in fact, the low-grade diarrhea and nausea was not as prominent, and there were not other important side effects to talk about. Furthermore, in a subgroup analysis, uh, momelotinib versus best available therapy uh, was shown to be as effective as uh, in uh, any other subgroup of patients in patients with the platelets below 50,000. I'm bringing this up because the patients with the very low platelets, you may say below 50,000 platelets or below 100,000 platelets, are typically not doing well. Current standard practice drug, ruxolitinib and fedratinib, are not very useful because of their myelosuppressive effect. What we see here is that in patients with low platelets, control of the spleen and symptoms was very good with momelotinib, and of course there was no myelosuppression. There was a signs of improvement in anemia in this group as well. And if we continue to talk about this area of patients with the platelets below 50 or below 100,000 as area of unmet need, we need to mention uh, another drug that was recently approved in the United States called pacritinib. This is the uh, JAK inhibitor uh, that uh, uh, can be given to patients with low platelets. In the PERSIST-2 study, which was the phase 3 randomized study between pacritinib uh, and the uh, uh, best available therapy where ruxolitinib was the major comparator, uh, you may see uh, that uh, pacritinib at 200 mg twice a day was better than the control arm in controlling the spleen and symptoms. In that uh, setting, uh, the safety of uh, pacritinib showed some issues with uh, GI irritation, diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting were seen uh, in a, uh, up to a half to uh, two-thirds of the patients, requiring some uh, supportive care measurements for drug to be safely delivered. But apart from the GI uh, irritation, no significant, of course, myelosuppression. That's why it can be given to patients with very low platelets, and no other concerns uh, to mention. Uh, and then, therefore, we come to a, a summary to see how do we position 
the different drugs, uh, new drugs, memalotinib uh, that's upcoming or uh, recently approved pacritinib, in the spectrum of, of the benefits and where would that uh, then uh, settle in everyday practice. Uh, this is one example where the attempt through meta-analysis uh, was uh, put forward to see about different benefits uh, of the different drugs. And you can see, if you follow, for example, amomelotinib, as a comparison was done to a ruxolitinib, a benchmark for us in everyday practice, the amomelotinib appears to have about the same control of the spleen as it was shown in simplifying one study, to have a superiority in uh, controlling the anemia, as it was now shown through multiple studies, whereas malosuppressive ruxolitinib, for example, or uh, federatinib, or even pacritinib for that matter, and that uh, the drugs, uh, momelotinib and pacritinib, can be given to patients with low platelets. So these characteristics that are relatively unique, and it's quite unique for momelotinib when it comes to improvement in anemia, will certainly change the treatment paradigm in a very near future. Momelotinib will land I'm quite sure, as the number one choice in people with significant anemia in the first line and certainly in the second line setting where most of the patients are anemic, may have a low platelets, may have a bad quality of life, most of them do, and may still have a big spleen. So counteracting at three problems at the same time, anemia symptoms and the spleen, lands the momelotinib as the very valuable drug for widespread use uh, in uh, armamentarium of what we do and how we manage patients with malfibrosis in everyday practice. In summary, with momelotinib, patients can achieve transfusion independence while still achieving spleen volume response and improvement in constitutional symptoms. Latest findings from the Momentum study as presented here suggest that momelotinib represents a promising treatment approach to symptomatic malfibrosis patients with anemia, regardless of the platelet number, so they may even have a low platelets, and study with pacritinib indicates significant reduction in splenomegaly in improvement in disease-related symptoms in patients with malfibrosis, regardless of the presence of severe cytopenia. Thank you very much for your attention. Hopefully that was useful for you. Have a good day. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.